Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. The International Atomic Energy Agency is not a party to the 2015 nuclear deal between Iran and six world powers, but it has a significant role in monitoring compliance and reporting its findings. Over the last two years, ever since the Trump administration withdrew from the deal and Iran reciprocated by violating several of its provisions, the IAEA has issued a series of reports citing Iran's progress on the road to accumulate enough fissile material to produce a nuclear weapon. In its latest report, the Vienna-based agency warned that Iran is enriching uranium to 20% in a certain alarming dimension and 60% on another, far beyond the 3.56% stipulated in the deal. To analyze Iran's nuclear-related activities and the international reaction to it, we're joined from New York City in the United States by Dr. Oli Heinonen, who is the former Deputy Director General of the International Atomic Energy Agency and a Distinguished Fellow at the Stimson Center at Washington, D.C. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you very much, also joining us from here elsewhere in central Israel's Brigadier General in Reserve, Yossi Kupil Vassel, who is the Project Director on Middle East Developments at the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Thank you for having me. And with us here in the studio is our TV7 analyst and host of TV7's Watchmen Talk, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding on the latest developments pertaining to the nuclear deal with Iran. Obviously, there is a deafening silence coming out of Tehran with regard to whether or not it intends to uh, return to the negotiating table in Vienna. With that being said, the United States remains adamant alongside its uh, P5 partners or P4 plus one partners about returning f- compliance for compliance. It keeps uh, emphasizing uh, with uh, just recently saying within all of its statements and briefings uh, in particular to this, that it remains a United States interest to have this 2015 deal revived. What can you tell us about that? Something that, of course, is contrary to Israel's position at this stage. So the IAEA is the uh, most credible observer of uh, whatever is happening in uh, parties to the uh, non-proliferation treaty, Iran uh, being one, and especially uh, as far as it goes uh, regarding the 2015 deal. And uh, its reports are indeed so alarming that a few days ago, the foreign ministers of uh, Great Britain, France, and Germany have issued um, an announcement, a joint communique uh, to that effect. So it seems as if the question is no longer, what is Iran doing? We all know that Iran is Uh, gaining more and more fissile material and is fast approaching the threshold uh, status on its way to the first nuclear bomb. The two questions are, why is it doing what it is doing or not doing, as you said, regarding the silence in Tehran? And what are the other world parties, along with Israel, going to do about it? And obviously, this was one of the issues uh, raised in the uh, meeting between President Biden and Prime Minister Bennett. But there is not much time left for everyone to decide 
whether to accept this challenge by Iran or to take some other measures. Just to uh, cite the communique that you're speaking about, the joint statement between France, Germany, and the United Kingdom that was released on the 19th uh, of August, Wednesday of last week, uh, during which they also emphasized, as you just said, uh, that time is on no one's side, but they really focused on two developments with the uh, IAEA, of course, raising the alarm over those uh, aspects. Uh, the production of uranium and metal enriched up to 20% for the first time, which, uh, of course, uh, comes along uh, the significantly increase in its production capacity of uranium enriched up to 60%. And uh, we have, of course, uh, the former Deputy uh, uh, Director General of the International Atomic Energy Agency, who also held uh, among others, the Iran file next to the Iraq file uh, at the time uh, when Iran was actually on its quest to a nuclear weapon today we know in retrospect. But uh, I'd like to ask you, to what degree do those levels of uh, enrichment alarm the international community to the degree that they do not truly have multiple civic applications? Or is that... Uh, in a stage where there is still some time to go until that uh, point of no return in which it becomes a threshold state of nuclear weapon capabilities. Thank you. I'm sorry to say, but actually it is more or less now a threshold state. If you look the inventory, so 20% enriched uranium and 60% uranium, which they have been producing during this summer, it's about one third is that 60% of uranium, what you need for one nuclear weapon, and two-thirds is in the stock, so 20% uh, enriched uranium. When you put them together, the breakout time is perhaps maximum two months. So this situation is really going out of hand, I would say, unless something is done very quickly. And this leaves a very few uh, options also for the IAEA board and possible resolution. And I think that the uh, European three, they need now to think carefully whether they actually should start to go to the Security Council and start the snapback option of the JCPOA at this stage, still, still, since they still consider the agreement being in force. So there is no easy way out. This is not time to relax. Uh, negotiations on JCPOA took a pause, but Iranian nuclear program not. Indeed. General Kupervasov, I'd like to touch base on an assessment of a division that you headed in the past. The, the research division of Israel's military intelligence came out with an assessment of two years until Iran would be able to produce a nuclear bomb. Is that still an assessment credible enough to uh, indicate to what degree this is uh, going quickly forward or uh, should be more skeptical about uh, such an assessment at this stage, considering that the Iranians are not scrutinized for their activities behind closed doors. In most cases, do not allow for uh, inspections of undeclared uh, sites. And uh, the international community is, of course, trying to somehow convince it, uh, leveraging, obviously, the, the U.S. sanctions currently crippling its economy, among other aspects, to try and uh, dissuade it to come back to Vienna to talk about something that it clearly does not intend, at least as, at this stage, to do. Thank you. 
I think we cannot uh, overstate the, the gravity of the situation. It's, uh, I don't think it's two years before they can produce a nuclear weapon. It's, uh, it's much less than that. Uh, having the capability, from the point of view of having sufficient quantity for the production of uh, sufficient quantity of enriched uranium for the production of a nuclear weapon is a matter of uh, something like two months, as uh, Dr. Heinonen said, and I think I, I fully agree with him. And uh, so this is very dangerous by itself. But it's even more dangerous because they have already the uh, capability to produce, to enrich uranium very fast with the new centrifuges they have developed. And they already gained uh, know-how about how to produce uh, uranium metal. Uh, so all these things, when you uh, put them together, put us in a very dangerous situation. Uh, because they cut also the time that is needed from the point of uh, where you, when you have the sufficient quantity to the point when you can turn it into a weapon. We have to remember that uh, simultaneously they also made a lot of progress on the delivery vehicle and, and uh, ballistic missiles. So it's uh, all if you put all of those things together and and, uh, and all of that is being done when uh, the IAEA cannot really monitor what's going on in the declared facilities, let alone the undeclared facilities. And we don't know what's happening in other areas where, they, where there's no monitoring at all. So I, I'm much more concerned than uh, saying that we have two years. We have much less than two years, and the, the situation is, is extremely grave in this respect. What happens is that the Iranians are playing this hand. They, are, they don't cross any point of no return yet. Uh, they don't uh, enrich uranium to 90% yet. Uh, they still keep the option of going back to the JCPOA uh, on the table. So this is uh, something that keeps the uh, Europeans and even the Americans shy of taking severe steps against them, like uh, activating the steps they can in order to uh, take, the, take the deal out uh, off the table. And uh, this is something that uh, is uh, very dangerous. Now, what needs to be done is beyond the, the, the Europeans should go to the Security Council. I, I hope they will. But, and this is a clear message to the Iranians, but more than that, we need to hear a very clear, clear and sound, uh, clear and loud voice from, uh, from the United States saying that the United States will not enable Iran, not permit Iran to, uh, to gain the capability to produce a nuclear weapon. What we hear most of the time is that uh, the United States will not accept Iran having a nuclear weapon, which is obvious. What we need to hear is that the Americans are not going to accept a situation where Iran has the capability to produce nuclear weapon, and we are very close, as uh, Dr. Heinrich said, we are very close to this point. That is uh, something that the Iranians need to hear. That may uh, be taken into their consideration. Another concern that I have is that all of that is being done in a, in a point of American weakness following the withdrawal from Afghanistan, that even if the Americans say anything, I'm not sure that the Iranians will take them seriously. It's uh, the, the timing of the withdrawal from, from Afghanistan in this context was uh, really terrible. And uh, so we are in a very sensitive and problematic situation from the point of view of everybody who doesn't want Iran to have the capability to produce nuclear weapons, especially Israel. Of course, the, the uh, aspect of U.S. deterrence has maybe diminished based on miscalculating probably its decision-making with regard to Afghanistan. But when we're talking about the strong power of the United States, it's undisputed at this stage. So uh, this is 
still brought into context with the Iranians. With that being said, I'd like to touch base on uh, what you said, General Kupelvasa, with regard to the 90%, which becomes of no return, and ask Dr. Heinonen, with uh, the current stage of 60% uranium enrichment, what is the, the gap, if you will, or the time uh, between reaching from 60% to 90%? Is it just a click of a button where they can jump into the next stage? Or uh, is there a certain process that we can anticipate uh, the, the duration of this uh, whole development? First of all, they, by now, when they have produced 60% enriched uranium, they have done 95% of the work which needs to be done to reach this 90% enrichment. So it's a very small step which is left. You don't need a big number of centrifuges either, because you don't need to enrich so much your your feed material. So two, three uh, cascades like UIR6, which they installed, which are fairly small in space, can be put up in a one or two weeks time. And then you push this material through, which takes perhaps two, three weeks, and you have it. And at the same time, they have mastered the other important part, which is conversion of uh, uh, uranium tetrafluoride enriched to uranium metal, which is important for the nuclear weapon manufacturing. So they have uh, tested it. They have produced, as the IAEA report said, a week ago. And they did it in a small batch, which you need to do when you deal with the high-enriched uranium. Say they have all these pieces in place, and it will be much shorter than what people perhaps think. Indeed. Mr. Oren, alarming statements we hear here right now. One of the most alarming aspects, of course, Iran is a threshold nuclear state, something that the United States committed not to allow to happen. What can we learn from this? And to what degree should Israel be concerned? So going back to your question to General Kupavasa regarding the uh, assessment by uh, military intelligence in late 2020 uh, regarding the two years from decision, the uh, Iranians uh, are yet to make this decision to- We don't know that. To go nuclear. Well, the, the assessment- That's the specula uh, speculative assessment. But, but if we take all other assessments by Israeli military intelligences as valid, let's take this one too. Otherwise, uh, uh, we cannot really synchronize um, our thinking about it. So first of all, eight months have passed since this two-year assessment uh, was uh, announced. And uh, during these uh, eight months, a lot uh, has happened, even though we don't know yet that uh, such a decision uh, has been made. And of course, we have seen uh, President Biden take office, uh, change course from President uh, Trump's maximum pressure policy, and we have seen the uh, election of Ibrahim Raisi as uh, president of Iran. And uh, the intriguing question to my mind is why are the Iranians doing it so flagrantly? They are not trying to hide it. It is not as if the intelligence communities of the West have discovered that this has been done clandestinely. They do it quite openly because they want to prod the United States to go back not only to the JCPOA, but to pay a higher price 
for being readmitted. And the higher price they want has to do with other sanctions, not the sanctions relief, which has to do with JCPOA, but the other sanctions regarding uh, terrorist activities, their proxies, their uh, uh, malign regional activities. So it's a sort of a blackmail. And one has to see whether the American administration is going to give in to such blackmail. Which is one school of thought, of course. Uh, the other one being that Iran may have taken the choice to actually pursue a nuclear weapon. And clearly, if it makes such a decision, it would not jump up and, and openly declare that. But, Maybe it's a certain tactic. But it's so semi-openly that you can consider it a signal. Of course, in addition to what uh, you are doing uh, on the ground, they are signaling. This is a signal in um, uh, diplomacy, and the Americans uh, have to respond. And just uh, uh, to uh, refer to what, uh, again, General Kuperpasser said regarding the uh, timing, the unfortunate timing uh, with Afghanistan, this brings to mind another withdrawal from Lebanon by Israel um, in May of... Uh, the year 2000, when Israel also had to contend with the Palestinians. And the Palestinians uh, apparently misjudged the Israeli action, and a few months later, they opened their hostilities in late September. So we have, we may have a similar uh, coupling of events here. Which the Iranians, if we establish or draw that analogy, are misjudging the Americans. General Kupilvasa, how do you view this? based on your vast experience of, of observing the, this current theater, are the Iranians currently misjudging the Americans? Are they trying to uh, maybe identify the, the true red lines of the Americans, considering that the Biden administration does not really indicate uh, that it is resolved in, in thwarting the Iranians, at least at this stage, from reaching that nuclear threshold position uh, that would then consequently allow it to break out into a nuclear weapon, uh, of course, that the Americans would then be able to thwart such a thing militarily. But is there political will for the Americans to do something like that? Well, I don't think that, that the two options exclude each other. I think that uh, the Iranians do what they do openly publicly in order to put pressure on the Americans to go back to the JCPOA on Iranian terms. That's the, still the preferred option from the, from the Iranian point of view, because this is going to mean also the lifting of the sanctions and all the threats to the stability of the regime are going to be uh, taken care of. And that's why they, and, and, uh, they will have a way to uh, uh, have a big arsenal of nuclear weapons in 10 years. Uh, they don't, they're not in a hurry. They can wait until then. But if it doesn't work, then they can keep on moving towards having the capability to produce a nuclear weapon, the first nuclear weapon, not a big arsenal, the first nuclear weapon, within a short period of time. And uh, this is the, the second best, and there's, there's still uh, something that's still on the table from the Iranian point of view. And I think they made that decision. This decision was taken to move towards having the capability. I'm not saying that they have decided to actually produce one, but I guess that once they have the capability, uh, they will... Uh, the appetite will grow and they will consider also producing one. And staying at, at the point where you can have the, uh, can, can produce one without producing one makes you very vulnerable. So uh, I think that uh, that is the, the second best option, but it's still a good option from the Iranian point of view because they believe that once they have the, op the uh, weapon, the nuclear weapon, 
they will become much stronger in the region. And uh, in the end of the day, their goal is to become a regional superpower uh, in first stage. That's that's what they want. They can and they believe that this second best is also leading them in, in this direction. So it's uh, it's not that it's one of the expense of the other. And they are waiting for the Americans now. In in, in most cases. Uh, what we see is a misunderstanding of the way decisions are being taken in the West. Uh, we saw it with Saddam Hussein at the time. Uh, we saw it with uh, Al-Qaeda at the time. In the long run, they maybe were right, but in the short run, they were wrong. Uh, also, assessing Israel was uh, in, in the same mistake, because the Western uh, powers are uh, very much unhappy to, to go into uh, harsh measures in order to protect their interests. They would try to do anything else before they do that. But in, when they are caught in the, in, the, in the corner, they may use power and they do have a lot of power. Now, the Iranians right now say that uh, they don't believe this is going to happen, but at the same time, you cannot trust the Americans. And because you cannot trust the Americans, you shouldn't go back into negotiations. That's, that's where they stand. And they, they have problems with assessing the Americans, especially when the Americans are showing such weakness in Afghanistan. It may, they may conclude from that they, that the world is paved towards further progress towards the, towards the bomb. Uh, nobody knows uh, if this is going to be a, the, a right move or a wrong move. I don't think even Biden knows, President Biden knows at this point what, what he's going to do uh, if he's uh, facing, is going to face such a, an eventuality. Nobody knows. And neither the Iranians nor the Americans, nor the Israelis. I think what, what is most important is for Israel to be able to do what is uh, necessary to be done in such a situation and not rely on the United States, uh, because we saw what's happening when, when you put your uh, national security in the hands of the Americans. Uh, it's, uh, the fate of uh, some of our neighbors and other, place, other countries in the region is, is well known. So we have to be able to uh, take care of this business by ourselves if necessary. Indeed. Well, uh, Dr. Heinlein, I'd like to hear uh, from your perspective, even though the negotiations are currently stalled and the Iranians are in the process of developing their nuclear program quite heftily, all this knowledge that they're accumulating, it's not going to disappear after such an agreement takes effect. Is the nuclear deal... And when we're talking about the nuclear deal, of course, we're talking about the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, but also related United Nations Security Council resolutions uh, that have brought this document into effect. Is it redundant today? Is it obsolete? Or can it still somehow thwart the Iranians from attaining nuclear weapon capabilities in the short run or even in the long run? In the long run, it doesn't block it because remember that at the very end, you know, all these restrictions will disappear from the JCPOA. So all this know-how which Iran has now, just wait five years and they can go practically freely. So we need a very different JCPO, very different approach. And we need to convince Iranians that actually it's in their interest of having a different type of nuclear program without uranium enrichment and this kind of uranium metallurgy, and then handle the simultaneously the missile and the other activities. I don't think that you can put this JCPOA events back to the same box where they were a couple of years ago. It's too 
too narrow approach and will only cause problems when we move ahead. So it needs a major revision. And is this major revision in the cards for the Iranians, considering that they've made abundantly clear they're not going to renegotiate the the 2015 agreement, regardless of what the Americans want. Uh, according multiple reports, this is currently the point of contention with the Americans and uh, the P5 plus one in the first place, uh, where the Americans approached the Iranians and said, okay, we are willing to return compliance in, uh, for the sake of com uh, compliance, but this mutual compliance comes with a signing, uh, an agreement with the Iranians where they will bind themselves to continue negotiations also on the regional aspects and, uh, of course, on uh, the angles of their ballistic missile program, which is another component of delivery for potentially a nuclear weapon. Well, the unknown factor here is domestic politics. And uh, just like uh, we saw... Uh, President Trump changing course after uh, President Obama, uh, which is where the Iranians have a point in not being able to count on the Americans to uh, have some continuity in their foreign policy. And just like we don't know yet whether Bennett will change the Netanyahu policy, who changed the Sharon Olmert policy, we are waiting for Raisi to show whether he's going to change the Rouhani policy. And this is, uh, this is a, a, a very good question, very good question mark, because the uh, talks, first the secret talks between the Americans and the Iranians in Oman, and then the Vienna talks, started in 2013, right after Rouhani took over from Ahmadinejad. So the change in presidents in Iran at the time gave rise to what we are witnessing now, and maybe it's the end of this period. Maybe what we are seeing now is a new era where uh, diplomacy will give uh, uh, place to some um, confrontation. But we're also having, of course, questions about the breathing room for the Iranians, uh, where their economic situation is abysmal. People in certain regions, especially the minority uh, groups living in Iran, do not receive water. Uh, on uh, occasion, they're lacking food and, and medical equipment. Uh, and that is not because of American sanctions, because the American sanctions, of course, exempt any humanitarian aid being delivered to uh, the, the country. So, but, but, you know, in the uh, language of the younger generation here, of which you are a member... Uh, you are so 2018, except for COVID-19. This was the rationale behind Trump and Pompeo's maximum pressure, thinking that uh, the uh, economy is going to collapse and this will uh, make the Iranians desert their nuclear program. Up to now, we haven't seen the result of that. Uh, on the contrary, we have seen the Iranians rushing towards nuclear weapons. Well, we'll have to wait and see what will develop in uh, the, the days ahead. But this is all the time that we have for today, and we will revisit this topic. So I'd like to thank General Kupelwasser, Dr. Heinonen, and Mr. Oren for being part of today's program. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well. And we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.